If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 15, verse 18 is where we'll start. Uh, we're back in the book of John, and i tell you what, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I know where I am starting. We'll see where we end up. And I'll tell you what, the main idea tonight in this whole passage, if there is a main idea of this scripture, I think that it would be that uh, there has always been opposition to the church by the world, but Jesus won't leave us alone while we face that opposition. And we're going to see that as we read through this passage of Scripture. Jesus uses the word hate in this passage of Scripture, and I want to tell you something about that word hate. That means to detest. It means to pursue after in hatred. And I think as we read this passage seven times, Jesus says the word hate in here, and and it really signifies that this is how it's going to be. Like I said, it means to, to detest, to pursue after with hatred. It's a strong word, and, and while the word uh, um, we live by as Christians, we live because we have a higher moral and a higher standard. And when the world looks at us, they see us as different. And just as we'll see in this passage tonight too as well, that, that we are different. Jesus sets us aside, pulls us out and says, you are different. To live as a Christian uh, life, one must first, he must love God as God has loved us. That's what the scripture tells us. And the second thing is we're supposed to love our neighbors and we're supposed to love others uh, the way we would want to be loved. But we have recently studied that, that these two things, they go hand in hand. And matter of fact, they're commands of, of Jesus to do these things. If we do these things, we'll abide in him and he will abide in us. So it's important for us to realize that to, to live a Christian life is to be completely different, to stand out among the crowd and to look even different than everyone else. We will abide in Christ. Christ will abide in us. And that is the proof that we are his true disciples. So the world view of Christianity is this right here. If there is a God, then there must be a judgment. And if there's a judgment, then there must be a punishment. Therefore, I don't want your God. So they see this as their condemnation. They, and they said, well, and if, if that's not the case, then it's a God of love, and, and a God of love surely wouldn't punish somebody. But we know as Christians that our God is a just God, and he does love us, but he requires certain things from us, and those things are obedience, that their obedience to his commandment, what he has told us to do. Yes, there will be a judgment, and yes, there will be a punishment, but there's also been provided a way for us, and his name is Jesus Christ. Although there is a punishment, and there is going to be a judgment one day, we have an, we have a man who abides in us. It will be our intercessor when those days come. So let's go ahead and open up there to John chapter 15. We're going to start right there in verse 18. And this has got so, this has got so much in it. We're going to go through chapter 16 all the way to verse 4. Uh, but, I mean, I've got marks, I've got circles, I've got lines all over this passage of Scripture. And Jesus starts out this way. If the world hates you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you 
as its own. And I've got that in there circled. If you look like the world, then the world loves you. You're probably not in Christ. And he goes on to say, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, hate's a big word here. Hates, hates this. Uh, it means to detest. Jesus says, if the world detests you and pursues after you in hate, know that I was hated and pursued after before you were. If, the, if you were in the world, then the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world and I have chose you out of the world, therefore the world detests you and the world pursues after you with hatred. Remember that the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If, there's a big word right there, isn't it? Biggest two-letter word in all of the English language. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your word. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because of the name of Jesus because they do not know him who sent me they don't know the father if I had come and spoken to them they would have not been guilty this sound familiar of sin we heard this Sunday isn't it funny how sometimes that some of the messages that Rob preaches and some of the things I preach they all kind of collide together Sometimes, maybe because God's trying to tell us something. And maybe we need to be uh, listening to what the Word has to say. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, whoever detests me, hates my Father. They detest my Father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have been, they have seen it. And they have hated, they've detested both me and my father and pursued. Boy, you just keep adding those words in there. They detested and they pursued after us with hatred. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Well, we can get into some deep stuff right there. It had to be. So, because it was prophesied so. But the word was written, and their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. And boy, here's a perfect picture of the Trinity right here. If you, if you have not ever seen it before. But when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from who? The Father, whose I, that's Jesus, that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We have a perfect picture of the triangle God right here. Who proceeded from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verse 1, I have said these things to you to keep from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogue, indeed the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Does that sound like anybody familiar we know? Maybe old Saul of Tarshish? And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said 
these things to you that when this hour comes, you may remember that I have told you. Jesus says this two other times in the scriptures. He said, I'm telling you this now so you'll be prepared for it later. I'm telling you this now so you'll be prepared for it later. Tonight, Jesus is speaking to us. He's telling us now so that we will be prepared for it later. If the world hates you, know that they hated me first. How is it even possible that anyone could even hate Jesus? How is it even possible? I mean, we know the stories about Jesus. What, what did Jesus do? I mean, we read all about him. He is the good shepherd. He is the healer. He is the miracle worker. But he is also the truth. And what does the truth do? Well, it exposes everything opposite of the truth, right? It exposes everything that is out there that isn't truth. What does the light do to the darkness? It exposes what's in the dark, right? And that's what we have here. We have this good shepherd. We have this good God. We have this healer, this miracle worker that can do nothing like he says in the book. He said, I've done, the, I've done all these signs in front of them, and they still didn't believe in me. Here in this first verse, Jesus is still, is still teaching. Just, just a few hours before he's going to go to the cross, he's still teaching them that he's going to be carried off, he's going to be tied, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be crucified. He's going to be, he's going to be persecuted because he's hated. He's hated. He said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. He's still teaching them the same things that he begun with. He began with these very same things. Matthew 5 uh, the, the, we have this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to them. In, in, in verses 10 and 12, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, he says, rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. Don't worry about you. Remember, we got to go back to this verse, verse twenty, right there. It says, "Remember, that's it. let's see. No, go back up one more to nineteen. If you are of this world, Jesus has done. If you're a Christian in this place tonight, Jesus has called you out of living in this world. We can no longer live and partake of the things that are in this world because we have a higher calling." We have a higher standard that we have to meet. We need to be looking for our reward, the great reward that we'll have in heaven because we are willing to suffer just like Christ suffered. We're willing to go through the same things. We're willing to be persecuted. We're willing to be reviled. We're willing to be, to, to be cussed at just like this says. All the evil, all the against, the, the against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad for your reward is in heaven. And it says it's a, not just any reward. It says it's a great reward. It's going to be beyond anything we can imagine. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing that that's what Christianity really stands for, what Jesus really stands for, is, is mostly all about love. It's all about love, and yet, it doesn't fit in with the world system. Therefore, they hate it. It's not what they want. Like I said, when they find out that there, if there is a God, then there is a judgment. And if there is a judgment, then there's a punishment. And they don't want any part of that. They want it to, to remove themselves from that. They can't believe that a loving God would, would want to punish and kill. 
but he's a just God. People who follow Christ and live according to the principles of God and, and live to the principles of God's word will face persecution. He says it right here in Scripture. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. But the good news about that, it says, if they keep my word, then they're going to keep the words you give them too. The Bible doesn't say that we might be face persecution. It says that we will be facing persecution. And I'm going to be brutally honest here for just a second. And I need to say this because we don't have much persecution here in America. And what we do have is not real, I would say, real heavy persecution. It's, it's slight persecution, but we still have persecution here. But I believe that our day is coming, that, that one day we are going to face as much persecution as you can probably handle and that you're willing to face. And I say that because Jesus warns us, I don't want you to turn away. This is going to happen, and this is coming. And I'm telling you now, so you be prepared for it, and you won't want to fall away. And what I mean by this is that you have to be bold enough to go share the gospel message. You have to go out there and be willing to meet face-to-face with some kind of persecution. Now, it may uh, be criticism. It may be uh, some opposition, or it may be worse than that. You may, uh, you may meet face-to-face with it. I was over at the Chili Bowl this week in Tulsa watching my oldest boy race, and I was over there talking to a guy that I hadn't seen in a while, a guy I played golf with, uh, a couple different events that, that NASCAR had put on, and, and we were there and uh, talking to I seen him walk by, and I said, hey, you looking for me? And he said, uh, he said no, but how are you doing? And he came over to visit for just a second. He said, man, man, what are you up to nowadays? And I said, I'm preaching the gospel. He turned and walked away. He turned and walked away. He didn't want to hear about the gospel. He knew what was coming next. Now, that's rejection for sure. You can lump it in there with persecution. But I had a, just after that, I had a great conversation with a guy who's been, he said, man, I've been trying really hard. He said, I, he said, I, I know what you're doing now. And he said, I, I, and I, he said, man, he said, it's just amazing some of the things that God's brought in your life and, and, and you're singing and you're going to all these places and you're singing and doing all this stuff. And, and he, said, uh, he said, man, I wish I was as bold as you with some of the things that you're doing. He said, I can do this stuff on Facebook, but he said, I'm, I'm, I'm not bold enough. But I'm telling you, as Christians, we don't have any reason not to be bold. Jesus has done told us it's going to be all right. I'm going to take care of you. You got a reward in heaven, and it's a great reward. So why are you worried about not sharing the gospel with the people around you who need to hear it? Even the ones who don't need to hear it still need to hear it. So we have to profess it. You know, one of the the places persecution really comes from is the world itself. It's uh, when a person upholds God's standards and, and his truth and his justice and, and his purity and they refuse to walk ungodly and walk an ungodly lifestyle of this society, that person will be unpopular. Now, I don't know about you guys, but in school, everybody was always trying to be the popular. We're trying to be the popular kid, uh, be the one that everybody liked and looked at. But what does Jesus says? If you were of the world, then the world would love you because you're its own. And we're not supposed to be 
popular. We, we're going to fall on the unpopular side. We're not, we're not the ones that everybody's going to seek after or want to hang out with or want to be around. It's just like when I was in law enforcement. Man, I was a popular guy up there on Grand Lake. They, they, would, they would call me out by name, or at least they thought they knew my name, but they would call, they would call me out by name and wave at me. And, and, you know, I had a lot of so-called friends then because they would want to use me for something later on down the road. It wasn't because I was their friend or I was popular. It's because I could probably help them out if they got in a tight spot. And that's kind of how it is to be a Christian. Sometimes the, the world don't even know who you are. They, they won't even look at you because, well, you're not popular. You're not in with the in crowd. You know, these people in the world that do not follow Christ, these are, these are those people. They don't follow Christ. They're part of this world system that opposes God and that has been an enemy of Christ and God's people throughout history. You know, we must understand that the world will always oppose God. It has always opposed who he was. It always has. You know, we were watching a, a documentary show last night, and, and it was just amazing to me that when Christianity came into a place and, and really got established, it wasn't long before the Muslim influence would try to come in and push them right out. And, man, it has been that way ever since the beginning of this book. It has been that way ever since those two boys got, in, got into it, right? Ever since then, ever since the Old Testament, this worldly view and this Christian view have been battling. You know that uh, Matthew 24, 9, it tells us, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. Jesus is talking about the end times in Matthew right there, but he's talking about this thing that are going on. And I believe that, that, that we're living really in the end times. Um, it just seems like that we are. Now, I don't know when it's going to happen. I can't say that it's going to happen tomorrow, but it could happen tomorrow. That's the thing about it. We're so close to the end, it could be tomorrow when it happens. But Jesus says that you're going to be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And if we're living in the end times and it could be as close as tomorrow, then it's possible that you could be in this category if you're bold enough to proclaim that you belong to Christ. If you're bold enough to proclaim that, that Jesus is Lord because that's what they're going to look at. That's what they're going to go to. So you need to know Tonight, am, are you, am I bold enough? Am I bold enough to face what's going on? Regardless of the cost, we need to speak up, we need to speak out, and we need to speak the truth, no matter who it offends. Because the gospel is said to be offensive. The scriptures tells us it will offend some. It's going to offend someone because it is the truth, and people don't want to hear what the truth is. People don't want to, you to pry into their immoralities. They don't want you to pry into their sexual sins. They don't want you to pry into their, their, uh, their drunkenness or their addictions or their other things. They don't want you to mingle in those things. They don't want to hear the truth. And sure, that means you might lose some friends, and that means that others will reject you, but unfortunately, they're going to reject the gospel too. 
They're not just rejecting you. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting his son, Jesus, and the salvation that they could have. And that means you might get beaten. That means that you might get put in jail. And that even means, to the worst extent of it, you might die. And if the end times are close, and they probably are, just by looking at the morality of this world, you could die. I believe that's why Jesus says in that next verse there in Matthew, if you look at that Matthew 24, verse 9, you look at that next verse, verse 10. It says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Why? Because they're afraid to stand up and proclaim that they're a Christian. So, are you as a Christian ready for all the possibilities that will come from being a follower of Jesus? Hey, a true gospel-sharing testimony for Christ. Are you ready for what could come with that thing? If they hated Jesus, they will hate you. If he is the master and we are the servants and they hated him, they're going to hate you. He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And if they hated him, they're going to hate you. And he is the teacher and we are the disciples. And if we are the disciples and they hated Jesus then they're going to hate you. And I'm not trying to tell you you need to bring a lot of hate upon yourself, but if you're being a Christian and you're being the kind of witness that God wants you to be, then there's going to be some hate in your life. There's going to be some people that don't like you. There's going to be some people that are going to reject you. There's going to be some people that are going to be opposed to you. The world is not the only thing in the Bible that says that we'll be persecuted by that we'll be hated by, that we'll be objected by, that we'll be rejected by. And this one right here is maybe going to surprise a few of you. But hate and persecution will also come from within the church. It's going to come from within the church. And I'm not saying that the church, the body of Christ, I'm saying the so-called church uh, this will be a source of hate and persecution, but it will come from within the church. And, and if, we got, if we need to, we're going to look at these two passages tonight. Uh, first, Acts 20, verse 28 through 31. Let's look at these two this this one and one more. Acts 20, verse 28 through 31. It says, pay careful attention to yourself and to the flock. Now, he's talking to the ministers. He's talking to the overseers, the shepherds of the church, in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That means it's pretty important to God. The church is very important to God. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. They're going to do whatever they can to divide, to separate, and to conquer. 
Paul goes on and he mentions this in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. And most of you should probably know this scripture. It says, for such men are false apostles, deceit workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Man, that's a scary thought, that we could have a devil among us. We could have uh, someone who wants to be in here, who wants to do nothing but cause up disaccord and to cause division. Satan is a deceiver, and he will do whatever he needs to do to make sure that we doubt following God, that we doubt following Jesus. His deception in the garden is proof of that. We can read it all through Scripture. The devil has done nothing for the cause of Christ, but everything in opposition of Christ. He was jealous of Christ. He was jealous. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be Christ, but he couldn't be because he was just an angel. And now he's doing everything he can. He has this world. We're going to read a little bit of that here in just a minute. He's used the so-called church to do his bidding, and because of that, many true Christians have died standing up to false doctrine. Many Christians have died standing up to false teaching. And it's coming from within the church, and that's a scary thing to think about. Now, I was telling Harold earlier tonight, you know, uh, you know, it, it comes from within the church, and, and one of the best examples is Tisdale. Tisdale wrote, the, the, wrote from the, the Latin Vulgate, and he wrote uh, a translation of the Bible in English. And for his hard work and effort of translating the Latin Vulgate Bible into the English where we could read it and understand it. He was killed by the church, the so-called church. Uh, John Wycliffe, John, he, he was another guy that wrote, translated the Bible from the, from the Latin Vulgate into the English Bible. And what happened to him? The, the Pope held so much hatred. The Pope, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the guy that's over the Catholic Church. This is way back when, I think, 13-something, 1300-something. He was so mad at John that he dug up his bones and burned them again and crushed them. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? The so-called church... Well, if they can disguise, if the devil can disguise himself as an angel of light, then surely people can come in disguising themselves as righteous. And that's what we're going to face today. And I want to I close with, with this out of Revelations. If you would just flip over to Revelations. We've got, and I've got to switch Bibles here because I like the, the New King James Version here a little bit better than I do my ESV. But Revelations chapter 2. And this is where Jesus is talking to the churches. But it starts off over there in, in, in chapter 1. 
verse 4. It says, John, the seven churches which were in Asia, grace to you and peace to him who's, who was with you to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood, and he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then Jesus starts talking to the churches. And what I find really interesting about these, these seven different churches that we find in Ephesus, he gives them, he gives them a message, and he tells them, hey, uh, you're doing some good things. You're doing some great things. And then he says, but, mm, he said, you got some things over here that need some work. And then he ends every one of those with a promise. But it's kind of neat. It says, to the angel, the first one says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things. I don't know if Exciting Southeast has an angel or not, but I bet we do. I mean, if the church of Ephesus got an angel and the church of Sardis and the church of Samaria and, and, and this, all these other churches, church of Philadelphia, if they've got an angel, I bet we've got an angel too. I just found that real interesting. I had to stop there for just a second. But Jesus goes on and says, I know your labors, I know your works, your patience, and, I, and, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say that they are apostles. And he's talking about, he's talking about false teachers, false doctrine, and what's going on around this church right here. There's, there's these guys who are lying and using, uh, using the, the gospel uh, as their own. And, but you have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. He says, you've left your first love. And he says, I want you to come back. He says, I want you to, to come back to me. He said, I want you, uh, he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, where you were at, where you have fallen away from, he says, repent and do the first works again, or else I'm going to come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. But he says later on, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. Him who overcomes. He said, I'm going to give you this promise. I'm going to give you to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. And then he goes to the persecuted church. There's another church. He said, to the angel of Smyrna, write these things. He said, I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. Why are they rich? They've already inherited the whole kingdom of God. He said, I know the blasphemy of those who say they're Jews and, and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. He said, do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, as you may be tested in tribulation. But he says, be faithful unto death. He's telling us to be faithful Unto death, when when the times come and the persecutions come and and the, the pain comes and and the evil comes and it's all around us and it's in our midst, he says, "Be faithful unto death." And you can go and you can read every one of these churches in here. There's a there's a there's a proclamation that's in there. He 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 says, "Hey, you're doing some great things." And he says, "Keep perseverance." He says, "Keep persisting." He says even until death. 
And each one of those things, he says, if you'll repent, you'll turn back. If you'll repent from what you're doing wrong, and you'll turn back. He said, I've got a great promise in store. And each one of these churches, he gives a great promise. And then there's that last church, the lukewarm church. He says, write to the angel, the church of Laodicea, write these sayings, say, the amen, the faithful and the true witnesses from the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor you're hot. And I wish that you were cold or hot. I want you to be one or the other. I want you to be hot or I want you to be cold. So then because that you are lukewarm, you're neither cold nor hot. And I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I've become wealthy, I have nothing that I need. This is talking about the possessions of the world. You've got the whole world's in your hand. You've got everything you think you need. But you don't have Jesus. He says, don't you know? Do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? I counsel you to buy from me the gold that is refined with fire. That you may be rich that you may wear the white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. You see, one of these days, our works are going to be revealed. Our work as Christian is going to be revealed. And you're either going to be revealed in his gold and his white garments, and you're going to have those crowns that he's promised you in, the, in these scriptures that he talks about in Revelations, or you're going to be found there naked exposed as the lie that some people try to live as Christians. And we can't live like that. This is the last thing I'm going to do. This is, I, had to get, I had to get my book out here and read a little bit more. This is the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I'm going to read about a man named Polycarp. I ain't talking about a fish. Polycarp was... He was a disciple of none other than the book we're, we're studying on Wednesday nights. He was a disciple of John. He was a disciple of John. And he lived up there in, in uh, Smyrna, up there in Turkey. Uh, he was an elderly man. He was in his 80s when this, when this happened. But uh, they sought after him because of his status as a as a christian he was he was he was a true disciple and he was he was out there preaching the the gospel the same gospel that that we're reading from john and 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 he discipled under him and they capture him and they're going to crucify him they're going to they're going to kill him in an unusual way and this pro-council, they threatened old Polycorp with fire. And they said, we're going we're gonna to burn you. And, and they said, we're going to uh, nail you to this wood so you can't escape from this wood. And he said, no. He said, don't nail me to the wood. He said, I'm not going to struggle. I'm going to face the fire with the same veracity that I'm going to face my death. 
He said, you won't have any trouble out of me. I'm not going to struggle. And when they lit, the, they lit this fire, they, they, the crowd wanted them to send lions against him, and they wouldn't do it. And, they, and then they shouted to burn him, and, and they, they built this fire, and they, they moved him and prepared him, and they put him, they undressed him, and he climbed up there, and they were going to nail him, and he said, leave me like this. He who gives me to endure the fire will also give me to remain on the pry without the security of your nails. So they didn't nail him, but they tied him up. And he stood there, and he prayed this prayer, they say, that he prayed this prayer as the soldiers prepared the wood. He said, O Lord, God Almighty, Father of your beloved and blessed Son, Jesus Christ, through whom we have received knowledge of you, God of angels and powers of all creation and of the whole race of the righteousness who live before you. I bless you that you consider me worthy of this day, of this hour, to receive a part of the number of the, of the martyrs of the cup of your Christ, for the resurrection to eternal life, both of soul and of body, in the incorruptible of the Holy Spirit. Among them, may I be welcomed before you today by the fat and acceptable sacrifice, just as you previously prepared and made known, and you fulfilled. And you are the true God. Because of this, and of all the things, I praise you, I bless you, I glorify you, though the eternal, through the eternal and the heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, through whom be glory to you with him and the Holy Spirit, both now and for the ages to come. This man is getting ready to meet his death. Because he, you know, and it's, and it's funny because back in those days, he said, you need to, you need to, you need to, uh, they, they told him, you need to uh, say, take away the atheist. And why would they say that, take away the atheist? Because back in those times, the Christians were called atheists. Because they didn't believe in the things that the Romans did. They didn't believe in all those other gods. And, they, and he wouldn't do that. And he said, swear to reproach Christ, and he would not do it. And for that, they lit him on fire. But he didn't burn. There was a miracle that day, and the fire somehow engulfed around him, but didn't burn him. He said the fire wouldn't touch him. It just formed around his body. And the Romans did what they do best. They sent their executioner in there and they had to stab him to kill him. And 86 year, he was 86 years old maybe, or he, but he said he served the Lord for 86 years, so I'm thinking he's way older than 86, up in his late 90s, maybe up into his hundreds. But 1 Peter 1.7 says this, so that... The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through the testing of its fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ.
tonight as Christians, we need to realize that the world is going to hate us because they hated Christ first and that we will be persecuted some way, somehow. If you're truly being the refined gold that you are, precious to Christ, and if you hold Christ precious to yourself, you're going to testify to who Jesus is. And you're going to be tested with fire. And your law will get burned. But the reward in heaven that's waiting is great for us who hold the faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. for your son Jesus and what he's done for us through the cross of Calvary. And I pray tonight that we are Christians of high morals and great ethics and faith in your son Jesus that will lead us to be bold witnesses no matter where we go, no matter who's in front of us, because there is a lost and dying world out there who needs to know who Jesus is. Some, yes, will reject it. But there's some out there who's going to receive that valuable information that will save their soul for an eternity. Father, let us be that tool. Let us be the ones that you use to be the bold witnesses. Let us go out into this lost and dying world and share Jesus. No matter where we're at, no matter what it takes, and no matter what we may face in opposition to the truth. Prepare our hearts and our minds and our bodies for what could happen to us one of these days. We love you. We praise you. If there's one here tonight that needs Jesus, as we come into this time of invitation, Lord, if there's one here that needs to speak to their heart that they need Jesus and let them come and give their life to him tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. If that's you tonight, you need to come, you need to give your life to Christ, you can do that. Christians here, I just, I just ask you to boldly come and pray that God will make you a bold Christian, that God will make you a man who is faithful to follow Christ even to the point of death as the scriptures tells us. Learning to lean.